Welcome to the Upland Nation podcast. Thanks for joining me. I'm Scott Linden, your host, your guide, and this week, kind of your instructor. Uh, well, let me just call it, I'll offer up some suggestions that have worked for me, may work for you, some tips and ideas, all about better shooting in the field, five things you can do to shoot better after the point. That's what we'll call this one. Oh, and one you can do in the yard as well. So, uh, hope you'll stick with me. If you uh, would like to improve your shooting, that is. And who doesn't? You know how I'm working on that. Man, it is a, it's still a work in progress, but I'm getting better at it. Uh, in fact, I went to the range day before yesterday. Thought I'd get brave and actually shoot some of the sporting clays targets. Not quite ready for that yet. Effected a dignified retreat back to the practice traps and um, then got dialed back in. And uh, maybe the high, highlight of the day was uh, stopping down at one of the local retailers and finding a whole bunch of target ammo. When was the last time you had that happen to you? Oh, boy. So now I have no excuse for going again next weekend and the weekend after and every weekend after that. I'm promising you, remember, I may have to trim it back a little bit. I promised 100 rounds a weekend, but um, at the rate things are going, at least I have enough for 50 rounds a weekend. As long as they're good rounds, that's probably better anyway. How about yourself? What you doing these days? I know you're talking a lot about training and maybe starting your conditioning. A little hot in most parts of the country, but we're still doing it. Got to get up a little earlier or stay out a little bit later. But uh, that's one of the things we're doing. And uh, we're also already thinking about next season, laying plans and thinking about uh, the dogs and what they do. In fact, on Facebook, I asked recently, after your dog does a good retrieve, isn't it kind of silly that he brings it to us and we take it away immediately? You know, they are called bird dogs for a reason. So I asked what you do when your dog actually performs at peak. Dave DeSmither had a good one. He said, this dog ate three birds over his time hunting. Beautiful wire hair. He had 25,000 birds shot over him. Okay, three out of 25,000. You guys do the math. He guided with him for several years. He says, I give him a pat on the head, a drink of water to wash down the feathers, and then we're both back out hunting. Nathan Meek says, I let him hold it after a retrieve. Lots of coaxing has paid off. Jet has overcome a timidity of birds since that first rooster incident. Yeah, I remember that story, Nathan, and congratulations. Linda Sykes says, I let him keep that bird for a bit while I praise the heck out of him. The joy in his face is priceless. And Mike Sims might have the best reward for a great retrieve. He says, I shoot another bird for him. Love all those great responses and all the other things. Starting to get a little more active on Facebook. So uh, check in regularly and be a part of the discussion. Hopefully I prompt a few thoughts, uh, get you moving in the right direction. But you do as much for me in that regard as well. So Chip in here and there and uh, give us your two cents worth. The Upland Nation podcast is brought to you in part by Sage and Breaker gun care products crafted at the highest caliber. Think about them every time I'm putting my gun back in the truck because before I do, 
The minimum it gets is a good spray of CLP from sageandbreaker.com. Clean, lubricate, protect. And believe me, out here in the desert, that protect is as good as any other aspect. It's kind, it kind of, you know, minimizes the magneti magnetivity, that whatever it is that attracts dust to the metal parts of your gun. So thank you, Fred Bohm and everybody at sageandbreaker.com. Well, I've had a lot of people talking to me about shooting since I made a big deal about it in my own regard. And it seems like I'm not the only one who wants to do better at it. Believe me, from what I saw Saturday, um, you, you are not alone. I am not alone. Everybody's out there. Big day at the range. Had to stand in line for the practice trap for the first time ever over there, but it was educational to watch and, you know, chip in a little bit here and there uh, with what little I know and learn from everybody else. So I thought I'd put together a little, um, a little essay. Uh, I call it after the point, five ways you can improve your next bird hunt by hitting some of them. And as our Facebook friends have told us and rewarding the dog. So let's just jump right in and, uh, work on all the excuses that we got to get rid of. The first is that climbing that we do out here in the West. When you're tired, it's hard to shoot better. So get in shape. Um, learn to shoot off balance. Learn to shoot while being surprised. And how do you do all that? It's all about hand-eye coordination and repetition. Perfect practice makes perfect or close to it. Can't even say it right. Probably ought to practice that more perfectly as well. Anyway, here are some of the lessons I learned the hard way so you don't have to. Before you drop the tailgate, turn your dog loose in the field, work on these things. Think about them when you have the chance in the field or even at the range. Practice as if you are working with a dog in the field. First off, get your dog solid. Working mindfully will produce better shooting. I'll never forget it. South Dakota TV shoot we did where the guy who was closest to my wire hair at the time watched that dog, admired that dog on point, probably counted to 20, and then we all yelled at him to get up and fly that bird. He tiptoed and minced all the way up there, and by the time he did, yeah, the bird had walked out from under my dog's point. What else could you do instead? Well, the first thing you can do is be assertive. I think the bird and the dog respond to that assertiveness just a little bit better than somebody who's a little bit tentative. The bird hears you coming in, doesn't have the nerve to walk away, may fly, may not. There's also a dog on the ground. The dog has more confidence in you as well. I don't have any science to back this up, but I do know that most of the time when I am being assertive about walking in on a pointing dog from the right direction, and I'll talk about that in a few minutes, walking in with confidence generally results in a solid point and a bird that goes up at the right time in the right direction. So, I know that had nothing to do with shooting, except that if all those other variables are hammered down, 
buttoned up, your shooting is less of an issue. What do you think? You ever do that? You ever wonder how you approach your pointed dog? Now I know it's different when we have a flushing breed in the field and that has its own set of challenges, but but uh, what do you do once that dog slams into a point? And what do you do with your friends? Do you stage manage them? Sometimes it's a good idea. Talk about that down the road as well. You're listening to the Upland Nation podcast. I'm Scott Linden, your host. Um, kind of getting this off my chest, maybe for therapeutic reasons, maybe to help you, maybe to help me even more. So um, do me a favor. If you if you like what you hear, whether it's this one or the one before, uh, tell a friend. Could use all the listeners we can get. And please do rate us and review us at Apple Podcasts. All right, number two on my list, at least, is being strategic. Flanking your dog as you approach the pointed bird. Kind of related to number one, the dog has more confidence in you. But here's the key. By flanking, what I mean is you see the dog, you're behind the dog usually. The first thing you should do is get wide of that dog. Swing out and approach the pointed bird from in front of and ideally at an obtuse angle to the dog not walking in straight alongside your dog you know when you see a flock of birds or a shoal of fish and they all jink at the same time that's allelo mimetic behavior dogs of course have already been trained to walk alongside us that's what the heel command is so if we're coming in right next to him we're sidling up alongside our dog there's a chance out of habit if nothing else that he might just walk in with us when we don't want that to happen if you can swing all the way out get in front of the dog and be and get the bird between you and the dog that seems to hold the bird it also cuts off at least one escape route if you got a buddy do the same thing safety first though everybody knows where everybody is and which way they are safe to shoot that pincher movement could put the bird in the air and straight up in the air as opposed to flying low and out the side side door. So think about it. And again, remember, instilling confidence in your dog might instill confidence in you. So I'm watching at the practice trap on Saturday and uh, one of the guys is uh, shooting 100%. He missed everything. And once again, I thought, okay, I remember those days. I spent a whole season missing everything to the left by four feet until I took a lesson from Buzz Fawcett. And he first pointed out that I was left eye dominant and shooting right-handed. If you're cross-dominant, well, if you're missing a lot, you might be cross-dominant. I know that sounds like a um, Jeff Foxworthy joke, but it almost could be. You might want to check on that. Here's an easy way to do it. Take your two hands, extend them out in front of you. Take your fingers and cross them so that you make a little hole that you can look through. Focus on something at a distance and slowly, slowly stay focused on that thing and bring that little hole back to your face. If you do it honestly and carefully and very slowly, 
you'll bring that hole back to your dominant eye. If you shoot right and it comes back to your right eye, hey, you're golden. Ditto for the left. But if it doesn't, consider some of the ways to fix that problem. And good luck, by the way. <laughs> I talked to this gentleman at length afterwards, and he said, yeah, I tried that twice. And I didn't hit anything when I switched to left-handed. And I said, yeah, same here. Well, anyway, patch on your glasses. Now I'm learning to just close that left eye as I snap the safety off and mount the gun. That seems to be working pretty well. Number two on the list. Or is it three? Anyway, stand by for birds. Sounds like Paul Harvey. Some of you are not old enough to know who Paul Harvey is, but... Stand by for birds. The dog is staunch. His muscles are quivering and his eyes are bulging. He's kind of giving you a look out of the corner of one of those bulging eyes because he's done his part and now it's your turn. Now, if you shoot sporting clays, especially if you've taken a lesson or two or watched some great shooters, they anticipate that clay pigeon's trajectory and they set their feet for the right position to break it in the right spot. So they're not necessarily looking at the dog. That's the last of their uh, problems. They're not necessarily setting up for where the bird is. They're setting their feet for where the bird will be when they mount the gun and pull the trigger. Big difference, especially if you can identify some of the windows where you think the bird's going to go. If, if there's several of you, you can push the bird in that direction. If there aren't, that bird's generally going to fly for open country. So find that big window, set your feet for that, cross your fingers, and then as the bird flies, you're ready for that bird. If you're walking in and you flush your own birds, anchor your off foot pointing in about the direction the bird will fly. So if you're right-handed, you want to anchor your left foot pointing at that direction. Whatever foot position you believe in, set up so that the last step as you flush the bird is that other foot. That'll provide you with the maximum arc when you swivel because the bird may still jink right or jink left, especially if they're quail. And you could use the biggest swing you can get. Stand by for birds. You're listening to the Upland Nation podcast. I'm Scott Linden, your host. We're talking about all the things we need to do after the dog locks up that will help you become a better shooter. After all, the whole point of this game is to put birds in a dog's mouth. What else is he going to do? I mean, that's why he works for you. So let's get back into it. I call this the head game. Literally, keep your head in the game, but not your hat. Whatever kind of hat you're wearing, if it's your lucky shooting cap or your hunting hat or something in between, that brim could be your worst enemy. I've learned that the hard way over the years, and maybe you have too. You wonder why you're always shooting low? Your cap brim is too low on your forehead. If you can't see the bird as it flies up into the air because your brim is blocking it, you're, you're going to lift your cheek off the stock of the gun to see it before you pull the trigger. 
throws the entire geometry of your shotgun and your two uh your your two sights quote unquote so bear that in mind as your dog locks up maybe the first thing you should do is push that cap brim back my dog is totally focused on the bird drilling it with his eyes like twin laser beams even if he can't see it he knows where it is that's what his nose is all about once it flies you should focus just as carefully keep your eyes on the bird's eye as it flies that is more than just a philosophy that's an exercise it forces you to focus completely keeps your face on the gun stock creates an accurate sight picture and the right geometry between your eye at the back and your muzzle at the front and the bird downrange from both of those it is different than looking at the bird it is seeing the bird buzz fawcett again he describes it as shooting like a predator you have you cannot see anything else everything else is blinded at least figuratively speaking focus solely on the bird pull the trigger watch it fall and then if it does look for another bird if you can but not until then see the bird shoot the bird and um did you know speaking of shooting carefully did you know that most of the time when we kill a bird it's at 25 yards or less yeah some of us to shoot too soon that's a problem i'm pointing at myself when i say that but if we open up our chokes we can enhance our chances of hitting more of those birds in the old days of silk fly lines, English ang anglers used to say, God save the queen, before they set the hook on a trout that rose to their fly. Now what that did in the fishing world is it gave that trout time to take the fly in his mouth and turn around and set the hook itself, rather than what I usually do, which is see that rise and pull up on the rod and actually take the fly away from the trout. Well, the same idea holds true for bird hunters for a slightly different reason. You shoot at less than 25, 30 yards, and you know, have you patterned your gun? You know how small that pattern is. You got a lot of pellets in a one to one and a half foot diameter circle on the pattern board. There's a lot of air around that, and most of the birds will probably not get hit. I'm not telling you anything you don't know with that, but my point is you let that choke widen out a little bit, either by waiting a little bit longer or opening your choke to begin with. And I'm shooting cylinder or skeet most of the time on anything short of, um, of sharp tails. Uh, you get a wider open choke or you wait a little longer so the pattern opens up just a little bit more. And yes, it does... Um, put more space between all the pellets but it also makes that pattern big enough to where you might actually catch one of the birds in it that's how we can flock shoot and miss every time skeet cylinder later in the season maybe improve cylinder instead if you have a choice first barrel is skeet second barrel is improved most of the time works for me maybe it'll work for you good luck on that God save the queen. 
So there you have it. He's called a bird dog for a reason. My wire hairs have always gotten along best when I hit the birds that they point. Then they get to savor that intoxicating taste, smell, and feel of a bird in his mouth. If I put the odds in my favor by practicing well and shooting strategically, we all get along better. Hope you enjoyed this. Brought to you in part by Dr. Tim's Performance Dog Food. Do you know where your protein comes from? How about your dog's protein? Well, at Dr. Tim's Performance Dog Food, he lists all the ingredients and where they came from and why he puts them into each formulation. If your dog food doesn't tell you that stuff, uh, you might want to take a look at drtims.com and then wonder why they're not telling you at that other website. Get a 30% discount on your first order. Just use the code UplandNation. Tell them I sent you. Appreciate that. And please, tell a friend. Please rate us at Apple Podcasts. This quote from Dean Kuntz. Yeah, that Dean Kuntz. Who also wrote a book about dogs. He says, once you have a wonderful dog, a life without one is a life diminished. I'm Scott Linden. Thanks for listening. I'll see you in the field.